0: This episode is brought to you by the Bowers & Wilkins PX7S2 wireless headphones. Hear what your music really sounds like. Welcome back everybody to another episode of the Darko Audio Podcast joining me this time out is one jez ford who is the editor of sound and image magazine in australia did i get that right jez
1: yeah all good
0: now jez we are gathered here today so to speak to talk about bluetooth audio and i guess bluetooth wireless headphones and much of the confusion that swirls around this topic as relates to say cd quality streams high-res streams And I know that you and I have covered it quite extensively, well, somewhat extensively over the last few years, but you've just written this brilliant article for Sound and Image magazine that I think nails pretty much the entire topic in one go. It was republished recently by the mothership What Hi-Fi. And if it's okay with you, I'd love to talk about a lot of that today, but I'd like to start by talking about a conversation you had with some Sony engineers, and I think if memory serves, it was at EFA in 2016. Can you tell us something about that?
1: Yeah, it was EFA, and I think it was 2016. I'm not, I'm not good with dates, and I'm worse with people sometimes. Uh, it was over at, at IFA, the big you know, electronics fair in Berlin, and Sony, I should say, mm-hmm. had taken me there because they were launching high-res audio stuff there, and they knew I was interested mm-hmm. in high-res audio. So when we got there, it was a very rare attempt to sit in front of Sony's chief sound architect from Japan, you know, key people from actual Japan. Mm-hmm. One of the things when you deal with Sony locally is that if you have a question on a Sony product, you have to send it to your local Sony PR, who sends it to Sony company, who sends it to the local office in Singapore, who sends it through to Japan. You never get any answers. So uh, the beauty <laughs> of talking to the guys themselves was you could ask anything you wanted. I, I didn't really have much to ask until I got there because one thing they were mm. launching was LDAC. And that was Sony's you know big push at having a codec which could uh, theoretically, they said, go high-res via Bluetooth. And the phrase they used was specifically near high-res. And Mm. knowing the the pipe size of Bluetooth, and this is critical to this whole discussion, is how much data Mm. Bluetooth as we have it today can let through. I knew that LDAC just couldn't do that because Bluetooth, they were saying, 990 kilobits a second for LDAC would let Mm. through high-res audio. And, of course, it can't. The pipe's just, that's not enough bandwidth. Mm. So I started asking questions as to what they meant by near high-res. And to my surprise, they were very forthcoming uh, after, you know, a few bouts of translation. And what they said was near high-res means they can't tell the difference between a low res file and a high res file. And they literally said, the chief sound architect said to me that their engineers can neither hear nor measure a difference between files down to 256k, mind you, and the original high res with the really? asterisks and with the asterisk that this is upscaled through Sony's DSEE. HX engine, and that there are occasional exceptions. He says where the file is the music is particularly dense and complicated, and in those cases they can the down resing and up resing does make a difference. But my question Mm. then to them was, well, then we don't need high res, do we? Because if two hundred and fifty six k is indistinguishable from high res, why are you launching high res stuff? Because we can just all use the the simple files, and to be honest didn't really get an answer on that. It's uh it was a pointer to the fact that all I could decide was that they're telling the truth, and they really can't tell the difference between relatively low res and relatively high res, which is a kick in the face for high res in general, doesn't
0: it? But to be clear, this is this is Sony's upsampled low res, isn't it? Like they're taking it like a 320 file, they're applying their DSEE upsampling to it and then using LDAC as the bridge between uh, say a a smartphone and a pair of bluetooth headphones and they say that that is indistinguishable from a high-res file were it to be transmissible over a bluetooth pipe which as you said i don't think is possible um it it does get very very confusing it's confusing for well it's still confusing (laughs) for me to a point do you know what how how big in terms of kilobits per second how wide the bluetooth pipe is for audio
1: yes in real in real world terms you can there's there's room to send more data down but in real world terms for audio the maximum you can get is like 1.3 megabits a second 1.5 okay if you were sitting on a perfect connection in real world you're down to about 700 is what they feel is reliable in a real world situation 700 kilobits per second. Oh,
0: I see. Yeah. So, yeah, because if you if you watch a FLAC file playback on a, let's say, an Aurelic system or a squeeze box system where it shows you how the bit rate is constantly changing during playback, you can see it fluctuate from anything from... Well, say 500 kilobits per second, all the way up to over a thousand sometimes, which is, I think, why it can't fit down the Bluetooth pipe, right?
1: Yes. If you've got a, a genuine high-res signal, say, uh, you know, 2496, 24-bit 96 kilohertz, higher, yeah. then you're up at like four megabits a second more. So in order to say you're doing that losslessly down a Bluetooth pipe, you've got to compress it by about four times now this is the, this was the other discussion that happened in berlin was they were just launching a pair of um, uh, i think it was the xm3s the thousand xm3s yep. Uh, yep. over ear headphones might have been the twos and they were saying they had they had the high-res audio logo on the box and right. that was the f- that was the first time that i'd seen that it's the japanese audio society's logo uh high-res mm uh audio they've got two logos high-res audio and high-res wireless which we'll come to later but high-res audio oh. implies that it's sending high-res audio through the headphones and that was what well, how, how are you claiming to do that with bluetooth and the answer to that was oh no the high-res audio logo refers to if you listen through the cable and oh. i was like yeah no well because people are going to be buying those as Wireless headphones, not as cabled headphones, and it's got a high-res logo on the box. So I think this is a furf the first furphy that started happening was that they wanted high-res audio logos on their headphones. And you can't say that headphone is high-res audio if it's cabled. So now they put high-res audio logos on Bluetooth headphone boxes.
0: But isn't the other reason that many and it's not just Sony that are doing this, many Bluetooth DAC manufacturers do it, other headphone companies do this. They have the, the Japanese Audio File Society logo on the box, which I think in some cases says high-res audio, some cases says high-res audio wireless. We'll come to the difference in a bit, but I think most consumers would look at that and think, okay, this is a Bluetooth product, therefore Bluetooth is capable of delivering high-res audio over that pipe. And yes, it can play back those files, but not without, and this is the crucial bit, throwing some of the information away. So previously I was talking about watching the bitrate and I was talking about a CD quality file. I'm sorry, I should have said that before. CD quality file, anything from 600 to over a thousand kilobits per second. If you look at 2496, you're probably looking at north of 2000, which is no way that that can traverse a Bluetooth wireless pipe. Sony's LDAC operates in three modes right 990 kilobits per second 60 60 or 330 but i think you have to have uber optimal conditions for your bluetooth connection for the 990 kilobits per second pipe to be in operation but apparently i don't think that i don't think that happens too often does it Jez? i'm not quite sure it's very hard no- to
1: know it's it's impossible to know yes that's absolutely right you can force it to the lower level LDAC you can tell it to use the lower level if you know you're having trouble but i don't think there's any way to watch what's happening as it flips between one and the other because basically if it it gets a grotty you know bluetooth signal or or there's interference Mm. it'll just drop automatically to the lower level seamlessly and you won't know Mm. so this is the other thing with these codecs is that they may say lossless This is the case with the new Aptex, relatively new Aptex lossless, which can actually do CD losslessly if it can get a signal of about 1.3 through. But uh, it it won't. It'll just drop without telling you if it doesn't. And, uh, but this, okay, so to the high res audio point, this is absolutely crucial question. You and I clearly believe that high res isn't high res if it's lossy, if they've thrown bits of it away in order to get it down Correct. the pipe and and pump yes. it. The whole idea with high res is that we're not throwing anything away. We're taking vast amounts more information than we really need in order to make sure we've captured everything. I think my favourite analogy for this, I know it was the absolute sounds, it might have been Robert, Robert Harley, uh, where he said, we're basically taking uh, a whole filing cabinet with us when there's only a paperback book's worth of information inside, but we don't know where the paperback book is. So we have to take the whole filing cabinet to make sure we're getting the book. And uh, ah. that's the that's the whole principle of high res, is you take way more than you need. So what happens is the codec guys all say, well, look, you've got all this empty space we're sending. It's just so wasteful. We're gonna remove the empty space and throw that away. And then therefore we can compress the file to a much smaller size. And you can have mo- you know, most of high res, we think, uh through a bluetooth pipe and and let's be fair when you listen to this and when you have proper demonstrations done of it it's pretty darn good i mean we're we're being fairly sticky by saying
0: yes we are we are but but for i think for a good reason
1: yes agreed
0: i mean i mean i my i think my Yes, I get irked when I see that high res logo on Bluetooth headphones because it does suggest to the consumer that it's the same high res that they would get over their Wi-Fi network playing back high res at home. And it's not the same thing because over Bluetooth, data is thrown away, whereas on your exactly. Wi-Fi network, which has a, 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 a supremely fat pipe, nothing gets thrown away, right? And I know that this is – people say, well, you know, consumers are really smart and they don't get confused that easily – I've actually had to email two YouTube reviewers privately and say, "Hey, look, you just reviewed this product, and you bought the the messaging from the manufacturer that their Bluetooth product can do lossless high res, and it cannot." And they were they were very surprised. Like, oh, really? Oh, well, I thought it did because it's you know the yellow sticker on the box. So I just I,
1: I just, did, I just yeah. did exactly the same thing uh, with uh, two articles that were written about the new Kodak that's come out from MQA. And, hmm. uh, it, they didn't say it, but they certainly people who went to the launch of that left with the impression that it was doing high res wireless losslessly at low bit rates. And hmm. I just read the stuff. I didn't get to go to the the launch. It was in the UK, but I read the stuff yeah. And from the maths alone. You can see it's wrong. It doesn't work, you know? And so, so, yeah, I had to do the same thing and send a couple of quiet emails around going, I don't think this is right. Let's look into it. You see,
0: my personal interest in this, beyond you know the (laughs) my irritation with it, is I'm not really I'm I'm not really fussed about having high res losslessly over Bluetooth, but CD quality losslessly over Bluetooth, I would be very excited by, and I was kind of excited about AptX lossless when it was announced. But obviously, well, I say obviously, maybe it's not obvious, you need to have aptX lossless capability in your smartphone and in your headphones. And I think the only headphone right now, correct me if I'm wrong here, Jez, is the Neurophone. It's an IEM they make, a a true wireless model, I think. That's
1: correct. I believe you're correct. Uh, The disappointing thing with aptX lossless, yes, is that they've limited it to the Snapdragon excuse me the qualcomm snapdragon chipsets so uh, mm-hmm. you can't you can't just use it as a, co- a standalone codec in your headphones you have to go with the snapdragon platform uh, right the other the other thing that's about to drive me mental with the uh, aptx lossless is that at the qualcomm conference they did a few months ago they said it's going to be used within le audio the bluetooth low energy spectrum which is okay. te- which is taking off big time and is going to be very big because it can, for example, send to two pairs of headphones simultaneously, and and uh, it's it's a it's much better for going to individual earbuds because it can send to both earbuds at once, whereas standard Bluetooth mm-hmm. sends to one, then it has to send it onto the other blue the earpiece. So LC three and le sorry bluetooth le and lc3 is going to be really interesting for that but the, the the bit rate is even lower than normal bluetooth so it's going to be even worse quality audio so, so what, kind bit, what kind of bit rate are we talking about there jess do you know the at the theoretical maximum this is uh, this is still i'm still trying to work this out and and guys who read the article have been very helpful in coming forward and trying to find this out for me i think the absolute maximum for bluetooth le is two megabits a second but that's the maximum so real world is probably going to be about 400 and when um, so when we
0: when yeah. we talk about real world we're talking about when you know the, you're out and about with your phone and your headphones and maybe it's a, a fairly con, not congested but there might be other bluetooth connections happening in the vicinity which may cause the if there's a codec in play to drop down a level automatically right
1: Yes, that's part of it, but the, the the rest of it is that the theoretical maximum is never reached because you've got packets flying around and all sorts of other stuff going on. So even if you've got a theoretical maximum, it doesn't mean you can use it even in perfect conditions. So you might have two megabits a second, perfect, you know, theoretical, but the real world maximum, even under perfect situations, is one, and the practical one is five hundred. You know, so you've got a number of factors in there to reduce the theoretical maximum not just the conditions uh yeah
0: so is it fair to say that for cd quality lossless over bluetooth we'd need a shade over a thousand bits per second it's
1: exactly right 1.2 to 1.3 qualcomm says for aptX lossless
0: okay and so but then you need optimal conditions you had like a really strong connection between source and sync or phone and headphones and that isn't always the case, right?
1: That's right. But you'll probably be okay, say, you know, in an office situation or a home situation, uh, you know, unless you've got a really busy, (laughs) sort of really busy Wi-Fi environment. But yeah, but Mm. you should be able to do that. Qualcomm says in their offices, they can run that without any problem.
0: Right, but so judging from that number of 1.2 to 1.3 megabits per second, we now know that Sony's LDAC that tops out at 990 kilobits per second or 0.9 megabits per second cannot do lossless CD quality, let alone lossless high res. And we know that Aptex H- HD, which I think is about 600 kilobits per second, can't do lossless CD quality or lossless high res. And then AAC down at, what is it, 256 or something like that? No hope. And again, I'm not saying that these things sound bad. They don't, they don't. They sound very, very good. But I think from a uh what's the word being open and honest with your customer base by saying well just sneaking the yellow, yellow logo on the box and just putting high-res audio on it i think it's a bit disingenuous and i'm being polite in saying that
1: yeah it's i, I absolutely agree uh i'm not saying ldac couldn't do lossless cd because mathematically it could because uh, it, cd is 144 uh, zero one four four one kilobits a second mm-hmm. and, and you can mm-hmm. losslessly compress pretty much up to 50 percent. so 990 is enough to do lossless cd in theory uh whether it does i couldn't tell you
0: yeah okay i didn't know that i mean I, i've seen but the thing is i've seen FLAC files stream over have they got occasionally they'll go over a thousand very occasionally in terms of oh, yeah. bits per second
1: oh in terms of bit rate yeah. yes absolutely they should yeah 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 if they're high hybrid yes yeah,
0: so no no but even cd quality but maybe, oh, maybe yeah, var-
1: now if you're doing very variable rare. bit rate variable bit rate it might well pop over a thousand yeah uh right. right lossless lossless is as you know lossless where you don't throw anything away you can just in data reduction, you can get up to about half. If you look at a flat compared to a CD or an Apple lossless compared to a CD or any of them, really, mm. they're all about half. So if somebody says they can do it in half the bitrate, I'm happy to agree. What The new one that's just come out for uh, Bluetooth and more has come from mm. the people that made MQA. This is called SCL6. This uh, was, mm-hmm. I think, announced at the end of last year, and they did a launch for it. Uh, last month and Mm. that one they when i looked at the maths it appeared to claim lossless compression of four times which is twice as good as anybody in the world's ever done and that's why Mm. that's why i called furphy on it because it was like no there's no way i i you know i've got a lot of respect for the guys from meridian I've never been much of a fan of MQA the way they've sold it, but MQA the technology certainly seems to sound good. And I think this new one is like seen as a wireless version of that. It seems very similar to MQA in the way it works.
0: Right. I mean, I guess MQA, the company, would probably would be the first to admit that they haven't been the best in handling the messaging of the compression applied to audio data by... I won't call MQA a codec because Bob Stewart is very kind of adamant Correct. about a codec, but yeah. by it's encapsulation system. And, you know, we now know it's, I'll, I'll call it slightly lossy because when people kind of go, well, don't you know MQA is lossy, John? Yes, but it's not lossy in the way that a 320 Ogvorby stream from Spotify is lossy. It doesn't go down that far. How far down it goes, I'm a bit hazy on, but it's not that super extreme compression that a lot of, yeah, like Apple Music when you're not using lossless applies or other, like SoundCloud or however, it's not like that. So I guess there's this kind of gray area in between, I know Spotify lossy and then lossless CD quality, which you might get from Kobo's or Deezer. And in there somewhere is MQA. Whether it sounds any worse or better than those other services, well, that's up to the consumer to decide for his or herself because trials for all of these services are free so you can do it yourself you don't need to rely on anybody else's opinion i don't think but here, here, to, bring it back, yeah. to bring it back to scl6 yeah i mean if they're claiming lossless cd quality they're going to have to really step up with some fairly not easily digestible math but something that some people can you know understand to disseminate to the rest of us plebeians like me who you know might struggle with that
1: <laughs> yes no that's absolutely fair and um... It's the folding thing. I mean, it was fascinating how they explained MQA when it first came out, that it takes mm-hmm. the higher stuff and folds it into the noise floor. I never quite understood how yes. you could fold anything into a noise floor. It's a noise floor. That's what it is. But, uh, you know, Bob Stewart's a clever guy. Meridian's got a massive history in uh, data reduction with, you know… Mm. The Dol- Dolby True HD is Meridian's technology. So it's, you know, they've got a very good track record on it. I'm sure they're doing it great, but it's not lossless by, you know, purely mathematically, it's not lossless. You can't, and they won't let you put a file through it and get it out the other end and compare it. You know, that's one of the things MQA would never let people do. So uh, it's very difficult to take it on its word. I, you know, I'm no good at trusting what they tell me. Uh, I, I poke. So uh, if if they don't let you poke, I'm never quite satisfied.
0: Right, fair enough. So basically we've established that there isn't really a, a Bluetooth codec or encapsulation system available right now that can do, well, maybe LDAC can do CD quality losslessly in a pinch if the conditions are absolutely pristine perfect. And <laughs> aptX lossless possibly could, again, under ideal conditions is that right
1: yeah exactly but, uh, but everything H-
0: else is no Aptex yeah, HD yeah,
1: me- which you know I mean that drives me mad the fact they called it Aptex HD when it's not HD you know is HD is just a random couple of letters isn't it, it doesn't really mean anything
0: yeah but I think it was uh, chosen for marketing reasons wasn't
1: it for that reason I'm sure yes yeah but the other thing that's surprised since is that the Japan Audio Society as well as high-res audio, that little gold logo, they now have another gold logo, which says high-res wireless. And of course, that's absolutely unequivocally implying that it's high-res by wireless. And I've always had a trouble with that because they gave that logo to LDAC. And as we've just been discussing, we're pretty damn sure that it doesn't do uncompressed, high-res wireless. So uh, that that was doing my head in. I couldn't understand what they were doing with that at all. But since they've given the high-res wireless badge to two other codecs, which are a new one mm. from Fraunhofer, who invented MP3, and, mm. and to SCL6, I'm beginning to think that the high-res wireless isn't talking about Bluetooth at all. It's a standard that's ready for when we go beyond Bluetooth. And that's what's just started to happen with the announcement of a pair of uh, headphones from Canada, from Paul Barton mm-hmm. at PSB yep. Speakers, uh, that they announced last week, week before. And those were the first thing that were going to feature SCL6. Mm-hmm. But they also are going to feature ultra-wideband. And that is okay. potentially a whole different kettle of fish.
0: So we've heard murmurings of ultra wideband. I think maybe last year when somebody was suggesting, or some rumour was suggesting that Apple would go that way for another gener- for the next generation of AirPods Max, but obviously they haven't materialised and Apple haven't done that yet. But can you explain to us what ultra wideband is, Jez? Because I don't know. <laughs>
1: Ultra Wideband's been around for Yonks. One of the guys that contacted me after I did this article uh, was involved in writing the original standard for UWB. And he was at the time, that was in the mid-2000s, and he was working on wireless USB. And they were going to try and Mm -hmm. do wireless USB. So Ultra Wideband, basically, it's... um, it is what it is. What it says. It uses a very wide band to transmit. And if anybody who's listening knows a lot about ultra-wide band, they're going to be, he's explaining it like a child because I don't really know that much <laughs> about it. But, uh, but basically, it, it spreads the, the data over a very wide frequency. It's a pulse-based system. And the pulses mm. are so small that they don't interfere with anything else. So it, it's, a, it's a nice non-interfering technology. And by spreading it over a wider bandwidth, uh, you can get, more data through. So it's much faster than Bluetooth. Mm-hmm. And you can, in theory, do high-res lossless through ultra-wideband. The problem with ultra-wideband is that at the frequencies that we're going to be sending this stuff, uh, bodies block it. Bodies get in the way. Uh, so oh. that if you've got your phone in your back pocket, it's far worse than Bluetooth at dropouts. You get dropouts all the time. Uh, mm. so that that is why it's not been used so far because the body blocking has made uwb not very useful App- apparently bluetooth special interest group did look into it uh about mm. uh eight years ago but they never went with it because they're not interested in audio quality this is the other thing with bluetooth it's run by the special interest group bluetooth which is the consortium yes. of companies and they're just not interested in audio quality they just want it faster lower energy that's what bluetooth is about at a, at, a, at the main level because it's a data system and they're using it for the internet of mm. everything blah blah blah. so it's going to be audiophiles who want uwb for music and is that a big enough market i was i was lucky uh i'd written another piece actually about bluetooth le the low energy bit and how i didn't like the sound of that and um uh johnny mcclintock sent me an email uh johnny mcclintock i didn't know at the time he was the uh, commercial director of aptex have you come across him i know he's better known in europe
0: i think he did email me on the back of maybe it was EFA last year but i was really going through some well i guess some personal stuff at the, that, that particular time and he wanted to meet up and i was like i'm really sorry no and also covid was still a big thing in germany at that time i was like i'm not meeting with anybody i'm really sorry i didn't do <laughs> no, anything I, I remember that
1: year. i remember that yeah yeah yeah, was, yeah no that's yeah so i was hold up <laughs>
0: Yes, yeah. so uh, I would have per- loved to have met him, but but I just didn't get the chance.
1: Perfectly reasonable. So he was, uh, as as I headlined the interview I did with him last year, he's the the man who took the hyphen out of Aptex. Uh, he <laughs> uh, so he he was a guy who sort of made it understandable. He he mm. it was originally came out of Queen's University Belfast, the Aptex technology, and he sort of shepherded it through from a university technology to being bought by qualcomm giant you know so he's Mm -hmm. now left aptex and he's hitched up with a number of other people one of them is called antennaware and they have invented a new ultra wideband antenna which gets over the problem of body blocking Um, uh so so by using this antenna at either end but preferably at both uh ultra wideband becomes usable as a audio technology so, PSB are going to put it into their headphones, along with a thing called Headphone 3.0, uh, which comes, oh, what are they called? Uh, Cosmos is the name of the headphone operating system. Have you heard of this Headphone 3.0 idea?
0: I have not. I'm sorry. I, I must missed, I missed have missed the uh, PSB press announcement. There,
1: okay, the PSB press announcement was one thing, but the Cosmos thing was what was at for last year that you didn't go and see Johnny about. Oh, that was, uh, yeah. So Cosmos is an idea that you have... An operating system and a much more powerful computer in your headphones themselves, instead of merely leveraging your smartphone, and so that you'll be able to install apps into your headphones. Uh, wow. It'll be a new it'll be a new platform for everything from hearing care through to oh man, you know they've got a hundred possible applications that headphone three could do, mm-hmm. and part of that is uh, ultra wideband. And Mm. uh, so this is all, John is trying to pull these technologies together. So the PSP headphones will have the Cosmos operating system and the headphone 3.0. They will have ultra-wideband, and of course, they'll have Bluetooth. Now, Mm -hmm. if you read closely into the MQA's uh, information on SCL6, I realized that what they were saying because they talked about it scaling from 200 kilobits a second right up to 20 megabits per second and of course Whoa. 20 megabits per second is is like bluetooth no so they must be talking about something else for scl6 right. and so presumably mm-hmm. that's both ultra wideband and potentially wi-fi applications we're never going to have right. Wi-Fi and headphones. They've tried that. It's too energy-hungry. It'll kill your batteries. But ultra-wideband wouldn't. So SCL6, I think, is talking about being a potentially a lossless, high-res uh, codec container, providing mm-hmm. you've got something beyond Bluetooth to use it with. And that's what I've decided... Japan is probably talking about with the high-res wireless logo. They've awarded mm. it to LC3 Plus, to SCL six, and to LDAC, which is interesting. So I think these are being awarded to systems which can send high-res if the data is available. And that means something beyond Bluetooth.
0: Ah, okay. So they're kind of looking towards the future with ultra wideband possibly. Yes. or cosmos possibly but wouldn't i mean just to come back to the cosmos idea and having apps installed in your headphone wouldn't that be very power hungry like a wi-fi chip
1: uh well this is i've, I've asked this since the beginning yes and their idea is that they can do it without obviously within the constraints of uh, normal battery life i asked about um If they need more power to use the antennas as well because traditionally the way Mm. of getting around body blocking is you just throw more power at it to get the signal Mm. through and they say no with the same energy level uses in current headphones and phones they'd be able to use ultra wideband and presumably headphone 3.0 i mean no no, nobody's going to launch something without thinking about battery life it's it's a fundamental so presumably they can do it within the battery uh, power of a normal pair of headphones
0: yeah, but one of the great appeals of Bluetooth is that it's very energy efficient. So this is why we're now seeing Bluetooth headphones from like Sony and like Sennheisers, their Momentum, uh, tr- well, not true-wise, the Momentum 4, isn't it something like 60 hours?
1: It's from extraordinary one charge?
0: now. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's amazing, right? So, So maybe if, I don't know whether ultra-wideband would cut that in half, I'd be okay with that. But if it cut it down to, say, 10 hours, I'd be like, Nah, I'm not so sure about that, because I don't think, and this is where my nitpicky idealist comes unstuck, is that I'm quite happy with LDAC or aptX HD in a pair of true wireless or wireless headphones using Bluetooth. I think the sound is perfectly good enough. Like truly yes. astonishing. I guess it's the only, only the idealist part of my brain which wants to have lossless, so I can, so I know that I've got lossless. And I think that's where a lot of motivation and grumbling comes from, including from myself and probably from you, Jess, and from a lot of other audiophiles who kind of grumble they don't get lossless from Bluetooth. It it comes from this sort of idealist perspective of wanting, to, wanting everything to be perfect, right? Because once lossless is in place, then some people will be like, is it going? Is it bit perfect? Is it bit perfect? You know. So there'll be there's always something to grumble about. (laughs) Somebody who wants everything to be spot on, but I I guess I guess what made me start writing about this, talking to you about this initially was that I'd seen a number of headphones and Bluetooth DACs with the Japanese yellow high res audio wireless on the box. Now I think I think Japan have jumped the gun on this. Because it does mis- I think it misleads the consumer. I mean, yeah, the codec might be capable of high res on a different platform that's not Bluetooth, but the product in the box only does Bluetooth. Or that, maybe it does. That's yeah. how they sneak around it, though, isn't it? Because it might do a wire. But yeah. that's, I think that's sneaky and disingenuous, don't you? Yeah. And, and look, you've you perfectly summarized
1: the situation we're in, in that, look, all this stuff is great. A lot of it sounds great. And how, really, if people are, yeah, 99% of people in the world, if you ask them for convenience over quality, when the quality loss is not, it was minimal, as you say, then of course it they're going to, they're going to choose convenience. And we all will, you know, I sit on the balcony, listen, using my Apple headphones. And uh, one of the reasons I use the Apple headphones over some other nice headphones I've got is their awareness mode is so brilliantly transparent and stereo so that I can sit on the deck, I can still hear the wind in the trees, I can still hear the birds, I can hear the missus when she calls for me, but, and it doesn't get in the <laughs> way of the music. That's why I right. – so it's, it can be one little convenience feature that gives you the perfect pair of headphones as much as the sound quality. Isn't that a bizarre thing to say from a reviewer? But, uh, but it's true. But, yes, you're absolutely right. When they furfy up the boxes, it drives you mental
0: it does because especially when you're talking about bluetooth DACs, are designed to go in your hi-fi rack so somebody like a a less informed consumer might think well i don't need to have a a wi-fi network for my high-res audio consumption i don't need a no tidal connect or something like that i can just bluetooth straight from my phone over to that dac and everything is high-res and i i think that well we know it's not true but the box, the packaging, the logo suggests, even though it doesn't outright say it, does it? But it suggests that that is the case, because <laughs> we've correct. seen that high-res, high-res logo everywhere in the last, what, 15 or so years, communicating the benefits of high-res audio. And that's another conversation unto itself, which we won't go there today, because I think many people know my feelings on that. But I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm very focused on CD quality, losslessly, jazz. I mean, personally and professionally, really. But I don't see that becoming a lossless concern over Bluetooth anytime soon. As you say, Bluetooth LE is almost pushing it in the other direction. So it's becoming more lossy, not less.
1: Yes, uh, absolutely. One of the things I was talking to, the the guy that I was talking to in the States is very much working on Bluetooth LE, and he's working in AuraCast. You've heard of the AuraCast thing with Bluetooth LE, where if you're in an airport, say, you'll be able to, or or a sports bar, you'll be able to pick a TV and take the feed from that into your headphones. So, or when you get to an airport, you'll be able to log on and you'll only receive announcements for your flight over your headphones by bluetooth so yeah, genuinely useful stuff this is auracast yes uh, uh, yes although there's this little angle of minority report involved in that it's going to know who you are and send you the things it wants to send you but we'll see how that works out but um he was saying that they they're talking about using lc3 uh and and, and le audio for multi-channel surround systems where it will send mm. bluetooth signal to each of your speakers and i'm like well that's clever but if it's low-res i don't want a multi-channel audio system full of low-res uh so it's like yeah bluetooth le is definitely going to push the quality down there's one thing that we should keep an eye on which i've only just started to learn about which is the six gigahertz spectrum which is coming up for use and auction And Bluetooth might get some six gigahertz spectrum, in which case the whole game changes because it changes the bitrate for Bluetooth completely. Uh, that's uh, but everybody's fighting for six gigahertz spectrum and it's got to go to, Mm. you know, calls, it's got to go to Wi Fi. So nobody knows who's going to get that, but ultra wideband is part of the six gigahertz spectrum as well. So it'll be interesting to see who gets that. Basically, it's going to be. Oh, I
0: see. So. A
1: Yes, it's going to be a legislational fight as to who gets the 6 gigahertz spectrum, and if it gets allocated some of it goes to Bluetooth, we could then see a high-speed Bluetooth uh, as an option. So, you know, then the, then it's a big changer. But at the moment, I'm excited about UWB.
0: But, you know, you just said something that I, I personally w- wouldn't mind, actually, is that I, I wouldn't mind a surround sound system in my house that was Bluetooth-powered and did squirts every channel signal wirelessly to a, a bluetooth speaker in different locations and if it was lossy and it wasn't like too lossy so like let's say above 320 i'd be okay with that for tv viewing Like I, I, for music no because my my inner idealist wouldn't let me do it but <laughs> you know being more pragmatic about my um environment and watching tv i'm not so yeah i'm not so idealistic about my tv sound and i i think maybe my attitude is more in line with the average consumer because i think if you told the average consumer they could have surround sound or even spatial surround sound so maybe nine speakers but they were all wireless bluetooth and it was a lossy signal but okay i think a lot of people would jump for that i'm i would consider that
1: Still got to plug them in. That's nine sockets you're going to need. But uh, yes, uh, in, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, and we and we have, but we have Wiser as a system which does that at high res. So you know, it's it's not like we don't have systems for sending. If you're just sending it around the home, I don't see the mm. point of dumbing it down to a Bluetooth LE signal when you've got your lovely fat Wi-Fi pipe to play with, as you say. So uh, that sure. that does make that seems convenience over easy quality to me. Uh, although if I mean if have you played with the Sony system the the four speaker Sony system uh,
0: No I wanted to get I wanted to get some but I I have a real problem getting hold of Sony gear well I mean I'm in Portugal now but even in Germany and I did try and take a circuitous route through a colleague that we both share in Belgium but it just it didn't come to anything I mean Sony are very I know one of the engineers who used to work he used to, he was the guy behind <laughs> the MDR lab that you know introduced us to the the 1000x series of headphones like he was the guy but even he can't help me because he's not in corporate like he's the He's the brains,
1: essentially. No, and so Sony's divisions don't talk to each other, so that would that would be very difficult. <laughs> no. no, we're we're, right. we're lucky here. We're, we're lucky here. We've got a proper audio distributor on the back end of high end Sony products. So once you mm-hmm. get above above the headphones, we've actually got a genuine distributor who's happy to happy to deal with the press and the old style, as it were. So uh, so yeah, but that system is uh, very much a, stick those speakers any way you damn well like, and it'll uh, it'll give you fantastic surround sound from TV audio. I, I think it's a it's a brilliant system, uh, and it's but it's using Wi-Fi, not you know.
0: Ah, so I've seen Linus Te- Tech Tips review that I think on on YouTube, and I think it's a couple of grand, but I don't think there's a subwoofer in the box, is there?
1: That's correct, and you really do need the subwoofer
0: right so with the subwoofer is it two and a half grand something like that yeah, well, i'm talking about like that US i'm US in australia
1: dollar. yeah 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 i'm in australia yeah, it's yeah, a yeah, six grand. It's <laughs> no no it's not it's about three and a half grand I'm i think australian so yeah yeah no, that's right yeah we do suffer don't we over it but uh not as well, bad as it used to be not as bad as it used to be
0: right i mean i would consider buying that sony thing for myself but i just have so much of the gear and i don't know when would i ever use it I maybe i would but then like you say, like the, the Weiser system, which I do have access to, I've got yeah some book art speakers here and I'm, well, I've actually got two pairs, but one pair is going back to Germany. Um, I think the Weiser system is fantastic. I, I really do, but I'm not so much of a surround sound kind of guy anyway. I don't watch enough TV content to justify it really. I mean, music, yes.
1: I've I've got a yeah yeah I'm a big fan of surround music I've got my my surround system is plugged straight into an Apple TV 4K so that I can play Apple Music in Atmos without Apple's own uh spatial uh, stuff thrown on top of it I may say and uh, mm. that's just that's just magnificent I have an interesting thing here I have downstairs I have a big TV with a basic audio system upstairs I have mm. a small TV with a surround system. So I have the hmm. choice of a big TV with smaller audio or a smaller TV with big audio. And given the choice, I nearly always take the big audio and the smaller screen, Yes, which I, d- right. I don't think people realize how important audio is.
0: Could you explain to us how you do the, you said you use an, app, an Apple TV 4K and you yeah. play Apple Music and you, you, you do it. How do you do it?
1: Okay, so there's some, if you get into this deeply, and uh, I was tipped off to this by Morten Lindbergh, who's the guy at 2L who does all this, well, yeah, the yeah. uh, multi channel recordings, and he has, oh, I think 28 Grammys or something for multi channel recordings. Mm-hmm. So he, he knows what he's right. talking about. He, he said the interesting thing between uh, Tidal's, uh, well, anybody's Dolby Atmos and Apple's Dolby Atmos is that uh, most Dolby Atmos. Uh, when it's rendered for headphones, will or anything else for spatial audio uses a binaural uh, simulator at the end of the chain okay. uh, to right. go into headphones because uh, you'll be r- removing all room, room sound, room feel, as Paul Barton calls it. So for headphones, yes. if you if you put it through binaural, you get a better result at the end. Uh, Apple doesn't do that. Their spatial audio is different. It misses out the binaural renderer, so uh, that. Actually, some would say, I'm not saying it, but some would say it makes Apple spatial audio inferior to a genuine Dolby Atmos. Uh, So in order to remove the spatial audio, what you can do is play Apple Music on an Apple TV 4K, where there's an app for Apple Music. You play that Mm -hmm. out of your Apple TV 4K into a surround receiver, which will then do proper Dolby Atmos decoding on it. So, that I can listen to proper Dolby Atmos music at home, as opposed to Dolby Atmos through a spatial engine on Apple speakers or anything else that's got Apple on the end of it. If that makes oh, sense. Oh, I see. I've, because I, so, I've yeah. removed the Apple back end in order to avoid the Apple processing.
0: Right, so your because your speakers aren't Apple speakers, you're not using Apple audio products, either headphones no, or speakers. It, it's
1: it's going into a Marantz surround receiver, so it's uh, it, which then decodes Dolby Atmos itself rather than Apple okay. decoding Dolby
0: Atmos. And how many channels does that give you?
1: As many as you want. It's Atmos.
0: So it, it's infinitely scalable, is it, or is it yeah, like up to a, like a, nine, eleven?
1: Uh 24. I think Atmos is infinitely scalable, effectively up to what you could possibly want. I think it's like mm. oh, the original Dolby Atmos consumer spec was 24 channels or something, but Dolby Atmos doesn't have channels itself. Well, it does. It has beds and it has uh, objects, but it'll scale mm. up to whatever you've got, whether it's mono or 24 channel system, you know. So,
0: so how so many channels do you are you using? I run in five
1: point one point two, so two two ceiling.
0: Two ceiling oh, speakers
1: okay. and, and fi- five around, which is which is a good system to have because most AV receivers will do seven channels these days. So that's uh, five on the floor and two on the ceiling.
0: So what happens when you play from a Tidal? I'm sorry to, I know we started off on Bluetooth, but I find this absolutely no, no, this is
1: great. No, I love it. So See, what don't happens, do
0: it enough. What, right, but what, what happens when you stream Tidal, you, say using the Tidal app on your Apple TV 4K? Yes, same. I
1: can can get Atmos out of it, same. And Sony 360 as well, if your AV receiver does Sony 360, Uh, Mm. although I think Sony 360 is a a complete mess. But uh, yes, any of those you can get out of an Apple TV into a full surround system.
0: So the the binaural render only comes into play when you're streaming to, say, stereo speakers or stereo headphones?
1: Correct, and Apple won't use a binaural render anyway. Yeah, at other other systems. So if you listen to Tidal on your headphones or something in surround, can you do that? I don't know. Mm. Uh, the Tidal, I' it's so expensive. Uh, I just I uh, come in and out of Tidal when there's a cheap offer, as it were. But uh, yeah, so. Most Dolby Atmos renderers for headphones will use a genuine Dolby Atmos renderer with a binaural component, but Apple, for some reason, chooses not to. At least that's how it was six months ago. Might have changed, you know.
0: Okay. Because, I mean, I've listened to some spatial stuff from Apple Music through a pair of Apple AirPods Pro 2, and I think it sounds bloody fantastic. But that, for me, is just, it's more of a separation thing than it is, like, this object is over here, and this instrument's over here. Like, I'm—it it is a bit better, but it's not, no day or any like any of that usual nonsense but it was i I've, i really enjoy it for some music i guess yeah why don't we call them remixes but I, are they remixes huh. maybe they are yeah they're remixes gonna, yeah they're separately
1: mixed yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. no uh, that that's great i'm now going to upset you by telling you that what you're listening to has been scrunched down to mp3 quality uh cuz uh, spatial audio requires data reduction significant
0: right well cuz it it must have done if it's coming over a bluetooth pipe there's no exactly. way that that's i mean it's obviously not lossless right so it's it's a lossy spatial um transmission but i again i don't know how lossy but i guess if it's it, it's communicating two channels of bina- No, we won't be binaurally corrected by apple music but whatever they're doing it's still going to be I, two still going to be like a normal bluetooth audio pipe isn't it
1: i only have one source on this but it is a good one but i believe it's about 10 to 1 compression
0: oh wow okay yeah well, I still is, think but, the but, one but, but I have to remind
1: you that so was Dolby Digital on DVDs, and we don't remember that. Uh, you know, the, the the surround sound on most DVDs is an MP3 quality because of the the constraints of the space available. So, uh, and we never noticed that because nobody told us. Uh, so, you know, I think really, if I hadn't told you that, it wouldn't annoy you. If you see what I mean? Oh, it doesn't like annoy it. me
0: anyway. Exactly. You know, actually, that's just reminded me of something you said on a on an ISA call. I, I can't remember when it was, like last year, but we were talking about spatial audio, and you were talking about, uh, or maybe it was in an article you wrote about a Flaming Lips DVD compilation of their video <coughs> clips from down the years. Right? I think it was. It's called Void. It's right? called Void. Yeah. Right. Um, but then I think you also mentioned the Peter Gabriel compilation, which was also done in surround sound. So Void was surround sound. So there were all these great. Music DVDs released in the mid 2000s. There was a whole slew of them. Flaming Lips did more than one. And they were all sort of released in surround. And what I, I don't know whether you asked this question or maybe I just thought it is why aren't those making the jump to spatial on Apple Music and Tidal? Have you any idea?
1: Yes, I, I exactly asked that question. And it's because they're 5.1 with no height component. And what they want is Atmos. Uh, so they were never okay. mixed for Atmos. They'd have to remix them for Atmos. But man, so, some of those DVDs not only have uh, surround tracks on, but they have DTS twenty four ninety six surround tracks on. So, for example, the the CD DVD pack of the Beatles Love, which was mm. the uh, you know the Cirque du Soleil Vegas thing, that the first one yes. Giles Martin did, where he just went nuts mixing the Beatles stuff together, mm-hmm. uh, that mm. has got a twenty four ninety six audio surround 5.1 audio track on it's the best surround thing i ever play it's just awesome and that's a dvd and uh you know so it's bizarre that we we get out your dvds if you've got a surround system you know the queen greatest hits they're all mixed in surround on those dvds the you know so many of the greatest hits dvds have got surround mixes on them and and a lot of them are fantastic the, the Flaming Lips one is crazy because they're completely mental guys and they're, they're, they're spinning the whole, the drum, they'll just take the drums and spin it all the way around the five channels for half of the track. <laughs> it's completely disorientating, but it's a very good demo.
0: Because I think there was a 5.1 DVD of Yoshimi Battles the Pink Rob- Robots back in 2009,
1: something oh, like that? Uh, for sure, for four. sure
0: yeah right yeah and this but you've answered the question that i was gonna ask actually because the talking head stuff was done in surround sound on a dvd audio disc well, or more dvd audio discs plural the entire catalogue back in 2005 and that has just made i won't say the jump to apple music because it's not a, it's clearly not a jump this explains why jerry harrison and eric thorngren went back into the studio remix the entire catalogue again for spatial to put it on apple music
1: Yes, and I think to do, to do an Atmos mix, brilliant. yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, there's loads of them. I've got uh, all my DVDs are folded up in, uh, you know, in in plastic jackets, and I'm forever going mm. through them. And uh, you know, I got a mate who's a George Michael fan. God bless him. And uh, we pulled out the George Michael Greatest Hits DVD. It's all in 5.1. You know, <laughs> so uh, so I just left him upstairs for half an hour.
0: I mean, I don't have those DVDs anymore and, or if I do, they're in a box in somewhere in Melbourne in storage, but I, I don't know, I would love to see more of those make. I, I know this was meant to be about Bluetooth, Jess, I'm sorry, but I just, no. I, I know you, you, you really dig down into the technical nitty gritty, like nobody else I know when it comes to the, yeah, the specifics of digital formats especially as we know the surround sound stuff but also the bluetooth stuff
1: well look you're very kind i think it's only i think it's only just because i've been around a bit and really when i start talking to the guys out you know out in america who are developing the formats and talking about the stuff i'm very clear that i know very little indeed uh but you know but i was around when they first announced bluetooth and and the the norwegian guys were telling us it was all about you know harold bluetooth and this is why the picture of the Bluetooth symbol looks like this, you know? And at those days, it was like, no, it's never going to be used for audio because it's shit. And uh, <laughs> just, so, you know, that that was the the starting point of Bluetooth was don't use it for audio, it's shit. Uh, and yeah. over the years, we've gradually sort of built up to, well, it's very convenient though, isn't it? And uh, and we've got to the stage where we just accept it now. And like you say, it sounds so damn good. I don't know why we're complaining sometimes.
0: It does. But I think in, in the in the spirit of preserving the artistry so to bring it back to the the Sony press conference that we started this conversation with i think you asked the guys as directly um the Sony engineers is like well if it's as good if if you know ldac compressed high res is indistinguishable from native high res then why do we need native high res
1: then why do we need native high res yeah that's right long pause <laughs>
0: <laughs> right but we i think we do need it for the preservation of Cultural artifacts, right? If that's the, the the technically the most lossless, truest way of capturing a recording and putting it on a fi- on a server and you know storing it f- well potentially forever, we're not going to compress it with LDAC, are we? Because that would just be madness, wouldn't it? Uh,
1: well, we've, we, it looks as if LDAC can actually scale up much further than we thought because LDAC is on that list mm. of codecs that's got a high res wireless logo. And if that's the case, that would seem to imply that it can go higher than it's currently being used for. So it may actually be an open-ended codec, which we're currently using as far as 990, but could go higher if it had the pipe available. So uh, so I, I think what we've got is a load of codecs that can do more than we think we can do, but they're limited by Bluetooth. But uh, yes, in terms, of, in terms of archiving, I just think I'll take the high-res by choice because if I can get it, if I don't have to pay vast amounts m- more money for it, it's not like we don't have the streaming bandwidth to handle native high res these days. We can handle mm. video, for God's sake. So uh, there's no reason not to listen to high res if you can get it. Uh, but uh, I think you're right that don't worry about it too much. C- CD quality lossless is, uh, you know, a good uh, a good level to stop at. But when that was introduced, we thought that was rubbish. You know, so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, taking, so you know o- over time we we settle into things don't we but i mean they were doing it very I badly so. when they first yeah. started making cds so that was why we thought it was rubbish
0: well like i mean apple music is a good example of this because i i never have to make a choice about the resolution of what i'm playing back just apple decides for me i just click play on an album i've got the tick in the play up to twenty four ninety or 24 192 box you know fill your boots and play whatever play the best version that you have and that's fine it, by me perfect right? and I they're taking
1: it, care of it so i think that's
0: great yeah i think that's the way it needs but, to be is it needs to be invisible but, to the consumer so they don't need to look for the yellow sticker on a box they just don't need to Don't even th- they need to think about it
1: but they should say what the maximum capability is because the, 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 that's the thing that we're, we're objecting to at, at a, at a is, te- yeah. technical level is don't say it can do something it can't uh make it as good as you can but don't say it's better than it is and that's where we have to keep poking them
0: So really what what I think what I've learned from this discussion is that maybe that high-res wireless sticker logo is landing on many a manufacturer's box because the codec itself is capable of high-res audio out the wazoo, but is limited by Bluetooth, right? But because the codec is capable, the yellow sticker can go on the box, even though what's in the box only does Bluetooth.
1: Yeah, I think that's is potentially what's happening. Yeah, the codec has been awarded this status. Therefore, if you use the codec, you can use uh, the logo, yes. even though maybe your headphones can't do that. So, uh, I think that may be where the problem's coming from. And that that the, ja- the Japan Audio Society should be jumping on that because it's a bad it, it's it's bad look for them. It's a bad look for anybody that's trying to work out what's going on.
0: It is. I mean, I'm, I've been very careful not to mention specific manufacturers who I think are guilty of this. But we all know who they are, because you only have to Google and look for Bluetooth headphones and Bluetooth DACs on Amazon, and you'll see it all over the place, that little yellow yeah. high-res wireless logo. And it to me, it's meaningless. It's just – no, sorry.
1: Yes, I'd, I'd agree with that. It's meaningless until, until it's properly policed, and we don't find examples where it's being used not 100% wrong because they've got a way around it saying it's via the cable or something, but, you know, what's clearly Mm. misrepresentational really, isn't it?
0: I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. That's what it is. Misrepresentational. And Jez Ford, I think that's where we'll end it for today (laughs) on that down note. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Sorry. But Jez, thank you ever so much for joining me today.
1: Lovely to talk to you, John. And of course, don't forget Vinyl.